This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Now, live and direct from the press box at Old Comiskey Park, it's time for when football was football. Let's join your host, Joe Ziemba, with another forgotten tale from Chicago's pro football history. Let's go! Welcome to this episode of When Football Was Football. I'm your host, Joe Ziemba. Long before we could watch football games on our phones or talk with our friends using our wristwatch, there was Dick Tracy. On this episode of When Football Was Football, we'll visit the original Dick Tracy, a crime-fighting cartoon character whose fame achieved worldwide status thanks to a rather large former lineman for the Chicago Cardinals. We'll also visit with an enormously successful punt returner for the Cardinals, whose brief career and small stature in the NFL has largely been forgotten, but whose story remains an inspiration. When you encounter an NFL player named Tiny, your expectations for the story behind that nickname intensify. Was he a big man or rather a smaller player? Sometimes nicknames can go both ways. Enter Emery Tiny Hansman, a man of generous proportions, often reaching 400 pounds during his lifetime. He was also an immense tackle who joined the Chicago Cardinals without the benefit of playing in college, resulting in his being a starter in 1936 in a game when the Cardinals scored the most points ever in team history. Although Tiny's tenure with the Cardinals was brief, he achieved lifelong notoriety due to both his appetite as well as for his celebrated partnership with Dick Tracy. And who is Dick Tracy, you might ask? Back in 1931, cartoonist Chester Gould of Woodstock, Illinois, created the newspaper cartoon character Dick Tracy, a no-nonsense, square-jawed police detective who focused his efforts on fighting crime and knocking surly criminals out of action, somewhat like a defensive lineman pursuing an opposing quarterback. Through Chester Gould, Dick Tracy took advantage of futuristic crime-fighting tools such as a two-way wrist radio, and later a two-way wrist television. And as you know, many of these imagined high-tech accessories from then have actually found their way into reality in the ensuing years. Gould continued the cartoon strip until his retirement in 1977, and various artists have continued working on the Dick Tracy product since that time. For 46 years, Gould created the multitude of Dick Tracy episodes from his office in Woodstock, Illinois, which is perhaps better known for being the key filming site of the 1993 movie Groundhog Day. And Woodstock was also the home of a gentle giant named Emery Tiny Hansman, a gigantic football player who would eventually become the police chief of Woodstock. In 1963, the Chicago Tribune covered the retirement of Hansman from the Woodstock Police Force and stated, Hansman, highly regarded in Woodstock for his work as chief, is known by everyone in the town as Tiny because of his 250-pound physique distributed over a broad 6-foot-2-inch frame. He weighed nearly 370 pounds at one time. But before he became police chief, Hansman's main ambition in life was to play football. He was a steady lineman for the Woodstock High School football team as a youth before graduating in 1931, 
winning three letters on the varsity or heavyweight team, while also starring in basketball and track. The Daily Sentinel in Woodstock described Tiny's gridiron expertise staying. He played both the line and in the backfield during his high school years. Helped his team at all times in advancement with the art of football playing. So most locals assumed he would move comfortably right on to college and play for the university of his choice. Instead, Tiny chose to seek employment locally, but still remained involved in football, suiting up for the local Woodstock Townsend Chevys in 1932 and then for several seasons with the Harvard Legion Football Club. Tiny fit right in with the Harvard Club, which relied on a very large and overpowering front line, as humorously noted by the Daily Sentinel, which reported, The Harvard Legion 11, a team that was composed of so much weight that the popular belief was that freight trains carried the players around for traveling games. Then in 1936, Hansman received the opportunity to play for the Chicago Cardinals of the NFL. During his brief time with the team, Tiny found his name in the newspapers both for his football skills as well as for his eating habits. In 1936, the Cardinals held their preseason training camp in Michigan City, Indiana, and Tiny was invited to join in the gridiron festivities. This is big news back in Woodstock, and the local media retained a sharp eye on the progress of Tiny at the Cardinals' camp. Even a letter that Tiny wrote to his mother from training camp was quoted in the Woodstock News, which said, I'm having a lot of fun and losing weight. Might make the team, but nothing is for sure yet, wrote Tiny. As training camp progressed under coach Milan Creighton, the Chicago Tribune reported that Hansman would be the starting left tackle for the Cardinals in the opening exhibition contest against the South Bend Cam Brewers, which would be held in Michigan City on August 30th, 1936. With Tiny boosting the front line, the Cardinals romped to an easy 70-0 win, still the most points ever scored by the Cards in one game. The Tribune noted the strong game played by Hansman. Tiny Hansman and Bert Pearson were outstanding for the Cardinals on defense, breaking up the South Bend scoring attempts time and time again. Although not a starter, Hansman experienced ample time on the field in the next exhibition game, a 10-7 loss to the Green Bay Packers on September 13, 1936. The Cardinals then stayed north for their third preseason contest on September 20th in a match with the Lacrosse Wisconsin Loggers. Prior to the game, the Lacrosse Tribune put the spotlight on several of the Cardinals players, including Tiny, and it said, they call Hansman tiny because he isn't. In fact, he's the biggest person in the National League. He weighs 260 pounds, and the most surprising thing of all is that he can run, gets down under punts as fast as ends, and his defensive ability makes him a valuable tackle on any squad. Never played college football, but has shown enough knowledge and ability to get a chance in the pro league. The Cardinals and Coach Creighton were treated royally during their time in lacrosse, including being taken on a tour of the area, appearing on radio shows, and visiting local schools. One of the highlights, according to the Lacrosse Tribune, was a cookout on a bluff near town. They went to Grand Dan Bluff, where Bill Bonneher had prepared a wiener roast. Manager Art Wolfs said later that Tiny Hansman, a 260-pound lineman, 
got away with eight Frankfurters. During the Cardinals' 20-0 win over the Loggers, Tiny enjoyed considerable playing time and still hoped to make the final roster, but those hopes were dashed when he was one of the final cuts made by the team on September 24th. The Daily Sentinel, back in Woodstock, reported the sad news to its readers. We learn with regret that Tiny Hansman has been released by the Chicago Cardinals. However, he is grateful for the fine support given him by local people on behalf of his candidacy for a berth on the Cardinals squad. Well, with his professional football career over, Tiny returned to Woodstock, served in World War II as a sergeant in the Air Corps, and joined the Woodstock Police Department, serving 22 years with 14 of those as chief. And this is where the connection between Tiny Hansman, the football player, and Dick Tracy, the legend, began. And both were created in Woodstock, Illinois. Tiny was famous for his work with the younger generation in Woodstock, and he once said, I've always believed that if a policeman would work with the kids as they grow up and let them know we are their friends, they will cause no problems as teenagers and adults. Tiny also worked closely with his friend Chester Gould to create the Dick Tracy Crime Stoppers program for young adults. George Myers of Woodstock shared this story in 1989 with the Northwest Herald newspaper in Woodstock, saying, Tiny and Gould discussed facets of police work, and Tiny provided Chet with sound advice on helping Dick Tracy portray police work accurately. Tiny and Chet realized youngsters did not have enough direction or inspiration. Well, the result of this was the formation of Dick Tracy's Crime Stoppers in 1947, an honorary junior law enforcement club designed to help kids follow the right path in life. Initially, it was just a local organization in Woodstock, where Tiny would meet with the young members on a Saturday morning at the Woodstock Opera House. The Dick Tracy Museum once wrote, Meetings were filled with fun, interspersed with safety films and talks on safety prevention. Once in a while, a member of the FBI or state police spoke on the importance of safety. Even Chester Gould did his part. Kids could also earn an official Crime Stopper badge. George Myers recalled, It was a prestigious thing to have a Crime Stopper badge. It showed you were a good kid. And not to have one, well, some might think you weren't so good. In addition, Gould used Tiny as the inspiration for his Crime Stopper Cop character in the Dick Tracy series. Soon, several hundred kids were attending the Saturday programs in Woodstock, which were usually led by the friendly Tiny Handsman. Quickly, the program spread across the United States thanks to a mention by Chester Gould on the Edward R. Murrow television show, and eventually internationally as well with thousands of participating organizations around the world. Upon Hansman's retirement from the police force in 1963, Woodstock Mayor Thor Emmerichsen said, Tiny is dependable as he is large. Tiny passed away in June of 1981 at the age of 68. Dick Tracy creator Chester Gould mourned his old friend and stated, It was one of the best things that happened to Woodstock when Tony Hansman became police chief. Tiny was very sensitive about training youngsters and he held Crime Stopper meetings for them to curb vandalism in town. So from the Cardinals to the cartoons, 
Tiny Handsman has remained a larger-than-life figure. Next, we'll visit a former Cardinal with excessive speed, great hands, and a knack for returning kickoffs for scores. In his very first game with the Cardinals on September 26, 1954, Les Gobble brought back a kick from 94 yards out for a touchdown against the New York Giants. Later in the same game, he returned another kickoff 55 yards. After that, the Giants were hesitant to kick in his direction. That ticked me off, Gobble told the Morning Times. If that wasn't enough, in a second game ever, this time against the Eagles on October 3rd, 1954, Gobble repeated that effort with a 92-yard scoring return on the opening kickoff. The Philadelphia Inquirer reported, The Eagles were knocked on their heels on the opening kickoff when Les Gobble, a 160-pound halfback from Little Alfred New York University, returned Chuck Benderick's boot 92 yards for a touchdown. It was such a stunner that Neri and Eagle got their hands on him and not a single Chicago block was needed. Gobble, who ran back a kickoff 94 yards last week in the opener against the Giants, merely bolted between two on-rushing Eagles into the clear at the 30, and no one came close to touching him. Well, regarding the Eagles game, Gobble recalled that effort. They kicked to the rookie, and I took it all the way back. Then they refused to kick it to me again, and that ticked me off. With those three early kick returns paving the way, Gobble led the NFL in 1954 in kickoff return yard average with a 27.7 mark per return, was second in the league in total kickoff return yardage with 749, and was third in combined kickoff and punt return yards with 800. Not bad for a rather frail 160-pounder who proved that a small man from a small college could make a big name for himself in the National Football League. Cobble's athletic career began in his hometown of Waverly, New York, where he was a spectacular sprinter on the high school track team and an invasive runner on the gridiron. The Star Gazette noted that Gobble was an end at Waverly as a sophomore, but switched to halfback for his last two years. He tried track in his senior year when Waverly invaded that sport and had a 9.9 clocking for 100 yards. That talent and speed led Gobble to Alfred University from 1951 through 54, where he was a dominant sprinter and an electrifying halfback and was eventually included in the school's Sports Hall of Fame. The Star Gazette summarized Gobble's outstanding collegiate career prior to his induction in 1973, stating, Gobble, a halfback grid star, was named Little All-American. He was also Eastern Intercollegiate 220-yard low hurdles champ at Alfred. During his senior season at Alfred, Gobble paced the team to a 5-1 record, scoring 49 points and rushing for 700 net yards, good for 10th in the country. Against Rensselaer Polytechnic University, Gobble scored three touchdowns in a 55-7 romp, added two more touchdowns in a 41-6 win over Ithaca, and then scored one rushing TD and passed for another in a 47-0 shutout over the University of Buffalo. As mentioned after the season, Gobble was selected the second team of the Little All-American squad, composed of players from smaller colleges and universities. This achievement caught the interest of the Cardinals, who signed Gobble to a rookie contract. Of course, his phenomenal performance on returns, as well as his rushing ability, prompted the Cardinals to re-sign Gobble on April 30, 1955. 
However, his playing time was limited due to injuries and also by sharing return duties with future Pro Football Hall of Famer Ali Matson. Despite the drop-off in production due to the injuries, the Cardinals signed Gobble to his third contract on May 22, 1956. The Arlington Heights Herald announced the signing a bit later, praising the success of Gobble despite his size. Gobble is one of the outstanding backs of the National Football League on kickoff and punt returns, standing 5'11 and weighing only 154 pounds. Last year, Gobble was used primarily on defense and due to injuries, he fractured his hand against Pittsburgh in the seventh game. He only returned eight kickoffs for 160 yards. Less can run the 109.8 seconds. Unfortunately, Gobble did not appear in any regular season games with the Cardinals in 1956 after being released in training camp. He signed with the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the Canadian League on May 14, 1957, and the team explained the reason behind his availability to the Hamilton Spectator newspaper. He specialized on defense, but lost his chance to play regularly in spite of being the third highest card scorer during the 1955 season because of injury. With his professional playing career over, Gobble returned home to Waverly, New York, and coached some semi-pro football and eventually was the owner of several businesses for many years. It should be noted that after all these years, Gobble remains among the all-time Cardinals leaders in kickoff return action, is third for most return TDs in the season, and is believed to be the leader in return average for a single game after he posted a 46.3 average on September 26, 1954 in that game against the Giants. He passed away on December 2, 2019 at the age of 87. Thank you for joining us here on the Sports History Network for this episode of When Football Was Football. We hope you enjoyed the interesting stories behind two Cardinals you may not have known about. An overly large man who specialized in knocking opponents down, while the other was an inspiring lightweight who specialized in avoiding being knocked down. And watch for a new episode coming soon when we'll look back on the 75th anniversary of what we consider the Cardinals' greatest season. 1948. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com.